You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And before we get into today's show, I just have to say, I'm ex- are you excited about Tennessee baseball? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I was... I, 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 I never thought I would be watching Tennessee baseball the way I do basketball and football, but I have been, and I was so excited last night. So riled up with that first inning home run being taken away from us. Don't know if you've had a chance to catch up on what happened when we beat Vanderbilt last night, but it's awfully exciting to watch them perform. So I hope you're having a nice weekend. And I have two topics on the table today, taxes and inflation. You know, we complain about how much tax we pay, but do you know what the highest marginal tax rate is we've had ever in our history here in the United States? And and by comparison, as of right now, the highest marginal tax rate is 37%. The highest it's ever been was 94%. That's right, 94%. And for an 18-year period, starting with the year after World War II in 1946, uh, our highest income tax bracket was over 80%. And most of those years, it was over 90%. And for most of the 20th century, our our highest marginal tax rates were higher than they are now. Now, President Biden has talked about changes to the tax code. He did that on the campaign trail, and he recently released his proposed budget for the upcoming year. It includes a new tax on those with over $100 million in assets. And whether or not it passes or whether it affects you, what we need to think about is, does this say something for the long term? When it comes to taxes, we should definitely be thinking the long term. You know, no one knows what tax rates of the future will be. but there are, So we are shooting for a moving target. But there are strategies you can use to take advantage of what really are historically low income tax rates. So in today's show, we're going to talk about his tax plan and whether you should pay taxes now or later, how should that enter into your calculus of income taxes. We'll also talk about how home and rental properties are taxed. And then we're also going to get into inflation. What do rising interest rates mean for you as the Fed in March announced a rate hike? And what is the latest on inflation? So, got a lot to talk about. Let's dive into Biden's proposed tax plan. So, he released his budget for the upcoming fiscal year, and there were some tax provisions. So, let's look at what he's doing. So, uh, he's and, and it may not affect you even if it passes, but what's the long-term implication? So, he proposed a It's called the Billionaire Minimum Income Tax for the proposed 2023 budget. 
And what it would actually do, you know, it's funny on the news, I see billionaire income tax, billionaire income tax. Nobody really talks about, I haven't seen much on in the, in the general news about what it actually is. So what he's actually proposing would establish a 20% minimum tax rate on all American households worth more than $100 million. And then what does that really mean, a minimum tax rate? That need, that's got to be dived into a little bit further, too. A couple reasons this is important. One, I always kind of, I mean, it's always amusing to me to see how politicians use words. I mean, it affects anybody with that's worth more than $100 million, but it's called the billionaire minimum tax. I mean, a hundred million is ten percent of a billion, so that seems kind of like political maneuvering to me. And what they're proposing, what he's proposing, it would it would account the appreciation in the value of a billionaire's investments, like stocks and bonds, as income, even if the assets aren't sold. So if they would they would look at unrealized gains on real estate stocks, things like that. And if those unrealized gains are added into the total income and the income tax is not at least 20%, there would be an additional tax. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, Jim, good grief. I mean, how, you know, I don't, I'm not worth over $100 million. But here's why this is important. First off, it shows the politics of it all, right? I mean, number one, putting the label of it on a, as a billionaire's tax you know, and, and a lot of that's political. I mean, who wouldn't want to tax billionaires a little bit more to help with our budget problems? I mean, it's easy to say that, right? Doesn't affect many people. They got a ton of money. But the, the whole idea, you know, you kind of opened up Pandora's box here. I mean, the whole idea of taxing people on unrealized gains, I, I'm I mean, I haven't seen the proposed bill, but I, I'm certain that they're not going to allow uh, billionaires to take unrealized losses on investments. It's just a dangerous precedent. You know, when when we were leading up to the presidential election and the Biden proposal was to uh, eliminate capital gains tax treatment on anybody that makes over a million dollars a year. And I know you may say, well, Jim, that wouldn't affect me. But what's the precedent that it establishes? If that happens, you know, the Congress has always given us incentives, tax incentives, to invest. And long-term capital gains rates are one of the greatest things in our Internal Revenue Code. And to remove that incentive for one group of taxpayers, you know, where does that go down the line? Because it kind of opens up Pandora's box, right? So, you know, if I, I have a copy in my office of the first income tax return from 1914. And in 1914, the tax return was one page long. That's it, one page. And to even pay any income tax, you had to make over $3,000 in 1914. Well, I mean, how many people... Not, a lot, not many people made over $3,000 in 1914. And then even if you did, you got hit with a whopping 1% tax. But it, is, it, it opened up Pandora's box. And so now 
we had a tax code that I like to call the Full Employment Act for CPAs and attorneys because it really does take almost a PhD to really understand the tax code. So the tax code's gotten very complex. We now have pages upon pages and schedules upon schedules when we file our income taxes. When it started, it was just one page. So that's why this is important and why you should always pay attention because when we start doing a wealth tax or taking away a long-term capital gains rate for a group of taxpayers, always be thinking to yourself, you know, I realize that may not affect you now, but where could that go in the future? And that's what's so important to realize. What does this mean for you? What does this mean for me? down the line. So I think that we have to be very, very aware. So then what that brings up is where are, the, the thought is taxes today, if you look at income tax rates, are pretty low compared to where they've been for most of the 20th century. And we're pushing $30 trillion of federal debt. We've got these huge budget, you know, deficits from all the spending that's been done to help us get through the pandemic. I'm not saying it wasn't needed, but we've got to pay for it. And how likely is it income taxes are higher in the future? Well, we know they'll be higher, actually, because the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act ex expires at the end 2025. So we know in a little under four years, we are getting a tax increase if Congress does nothing. What is the long-term reality of income taxes. Now, uh, who knows what will happen in the short term? Do I think this thing will pass? I, I really don't. Um, I don't think much is going to pass this year in terms of tax reform. I could be wrong, but the political makeup going into the election, I think a lot of this is political posturing. I think we've got to be aware of where we are now and what the long-term prognosis is for income taxes. And if we look at all industrialized societies, developed societies in the world, the, the, you know, when, when spending has increased and there have been times of stress like war, pandemic, spending, Great Depression, and the government has spended money, has, has excuse me, spended, has spent money, we've typically followed that with, with when we have high debt and high, high budget deficits, we typically have followed that with higher tax rates. And we haven't done that since the Great Recession of 2007, 08, and early 09, and we haven't done that since the pandemic. Um, and that doesn't mean we're going to, and I'm not saying that's the best way to solve the debt problem. I'm just saying the reality is civilized societies in the world historically, that's what they've done. So I think we've got to be thinking of, should I consider paying tax now or paying tax tomorrow when rates may be higher? What if you could pay no income tax on income? That's even better. And... How do you fit tax planning into your retirement plan? So we're going to get in more into that when we come back. So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. And we're on every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and again, 3 to 4 p.m. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear past shows, they're podcast. On my website, go to broganfinancial.com, click on radio, and you can listen to our past shows right there. Also, our dollars and cents segments that we run often throughout the year. Uh, those are little, you know, four to five minute segments usually on specific topics where you can get a little bit of meat. And they're categorized. You can look at topics on the economy, on Retirement income, investments, wealth management, estate planning, whatever. I mean, there's there's about eight or nine different categories there, and you, there, you can click the button there, and it'll categorize that so you can get up to speed on various topics. My goal is to inform you can, so that you can make prudent decisions that can impact impact the quality of your life. We're paying about we're, we're excuse paying we're we're talking about income taxes this morning, and you know it is the largest expense you and I will ever have in our lifetimes. And, you, you know, as I said in that first segment, even when you start hearing politicians talking about doing something for high wealth, high ultra high wealth, high, ultra high income people, say in this case, Biden's proposal for a hundred million more in net worth, or, you know, when they've talked about taking ca- away long-term capital gains treatment for people that make over more, more than a million, you may originally or initially think, oh, well, that won't affect me. But it, it establishes, if something like that passes, it establishes a precedent, and it kind of could it be opening up Pandora's box where at the future we've all of a sudden got doing something. We're, we're all of a sudden taxing people in a way that we never have. And does that spread down as we move forward and, and affect more and more taxpayers? So it is very, very important. Now, as I said... We've got bigger debt than we've ever had, bigger budget deficits. Our tax rates are going up at the end of 2025. I think in the long term, 10, 15 years from now, it's very likely tax rates will go up substantially. If you said, Jim, in the next 10 years, what is the most likely economic outcome that you see of everything I can look at? It'd be that tax rates are higher and and more high, they're they're higher than even where they'll be in 2026 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires. Now, I could be wrong, but I think we need to look at the reality of this and it, at least have plans of how we can take advantage of, you know, what really are low tax rates right now. And if they're lower now than they will be in the future, which they are, because, again, they go up in 2026, if they're lower now than they will be in the future, it's almost as if taxes are on sale. So would we think about paying them now when they're on sale rather than in the future? But that sounds easy to say, but it's not as cut and dried as you may think. So let's talk about that. First off, there's this sweet spot between retirement age and age 72 that many of you will have where you can really do a lot of efficient tax planning. Because when you retire, starting in the year where you no longer have earned income, 
you're going to have the ability to have, even if you need income, that doesn't mean it has to all be taxable. How you draw retirement income is up to you. Do you go to your IRAs or your 401ks? Do you go to your non-qualified, non-IRA investments? That all makes a different impact on the tax return. So you have a lot of control in how you're taxed on income in retirement. You could structure that in the early years of retirement to be largely tax-free. And you could keep your tax rate very low and do additional tax planning. Now, the reason I say retirement age to age 72 is because 72 is when you've got to start taking out those required minimum distributions from your IRAs, 401ks, and other retirement accounts. And it's about 4%. It's a little less than 4%, but you can do the math in your head. So if you have a $500,000 retirement account, that's a $20,000 a year taxable distribution. If you've got $2 million, that's 80000 of taxable distribution, a little less. So you're going to lose some control because that's forced to taxation. Now, in your, well, I do want to back up for a second because in those final five to ten years of retirement, most of you are going to be at the, your peak earnings. So when you look at taxable income in that last five to ten years, it's probably the highest it, it'll ever be in your whole life. So do you pay additional tax rates while you're still working in those final years? Like do you do Roth conversion where you take money out of an IRA, pay the income tax on it, and then it's tax-free forever after you've held it for five years as long as you're over 59 and a half when you draw it out. But that means you're incurring additional income on top of the high income you're probably making in the final five years of your working years. So that's not as cut and dried as you may think, but in the early years of retirement, that may make a lot of sense. So look down the road. If you keep your taxable income pretty low, again, not necessarily income, but taxable income, and you can have a lot of, we can really have an impact on taxable income based on how you draw income in retirement and how you invest your money. We've got a lot of control of that. So we can keep those taxes low, and then should you consider things like Roth conversion prior to age 72 when those minimum distributions kick in that are taxable? You know, if you can do a Roth conversion in a 10 or 12% tax bracket, and you look to the future and you see that come 2026, maybe you're getting closer to age 72, you're now going to be in a 25% marginal tax bracket. Well, if you can pay tax at 10 or 12% now as opposed to 25 in the future, I mean, that's something to consider. Now, the flip side is you have to pay that tax now if you do a conversion. And can you afford to pay that tax? You know, you have to be very careful in those early years of retirement. You don't decrease your investment base. You don't hit that investment base too hard in the early years of retirement. What happens in that first five to ten years has a very disproportional effect on what happens over your entire retirement. Believe it or not, what happens in the first ten years potentially impacts 80% of your outcome in retirement if you live for 30 years. And that sounds crazy, but it's true. So, And that's been studied and researched and, and all that. So, you know... Just because it sounds good to pay a lower tax today as opposed to a higher tax tomorrow, can you afford to do that? Okay, and then the, 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 the final thing I'll bring up is capital gains taxes. You know, if you're 
if your income that's, that's taxable on your tax return prior to tax deductions, so this is your adjusted gross income. If you're under 105, 106,000 in those early years of retirement, do you know what your tax rate is on long-term capital gains? It's zero. We actually have a 0% tax rate in the Internal Revenue Code. And it's for long-term capital gains when you're in those 10 and 12% tax brackets, which for a joint filer goes up to, you know, like I say, before the tax deduction goes to a little over 105000 For a single filer, it's going to go up to a little over 52, 53, or right in the neighborhood of 52, 53000 Well, anytime you can sell something, and have a long-term gain and pay no tax on it. You could turn around, like let's say you sell a stock, you pay no tax on the gain, you could immediately rebuy the stock. There's no wash sale rule where you have to wait before you rebuy it. That's only on a capital loss. You can take a gain and immediately repurchase it, but then what you're doing is you're increasing the tax basis on that stock without paying any tax. What an incredible opportunity. Some of the most powerful tax strategies we have implemented for many of our clients have been on utilizing long-term capital gains at either zero or very low tax rates, especially before they turn 72. Now, Roth conversion planning is powerful too, but doing the, ca the capital gains at zero is pretty, pretty much a no-brainer. But, you know, you have to have an investment plan to take advantage of that. Like, let's say you're three years from retirement. Do you have investment structure that can take advantage of long-term capital gains three, four, five years from now? Because remember, anything you pull out of your retirement account does not get long-term capital gains tax treatment. It's taxed as ordinary income when it comes out of that IRA. Now, these are, I have, I, I just want to mention, I've got a one-night tax class coming up Tuesday at Pellissippi State at their Hardin Valley location. It's a tax planning class. It's just one night, two hours, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., and I talk for two hours about these tax opportunities, tax challenges in the future. The name of the class is Tax Planning in the New Age. And again, it's on April the 5th. For more information, you can go to, uh, you can call Pellissippi State at 539-5179, or you can go to my website, go to broganfinancial.com and click on classes, click on tax planning in the new age, and you can click to download a syllabus and register. By the way, that number, I might have said that wrong, it's 539-7167 at Pellissippi State, free parking, Pellissippi, Hardin Valley, 630 to 830 tax planning in the new age. Um, when we come back, we're going to get into rising rates. What do rising interest rates mean for you, and what is the latest on inflation? Also, I'm going to talk briefly about the taxation on your home sale. Many people are not real clear on that, and a, a potential rental property or investment property. So don't go away. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI.
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. We're here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. And again, 3 to 4 p.m. You can also catch our podcasts online. Go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio. Uh, We usually have these up uh, Tuesday afternoon uh, from the previous week. But we got all of them on there. So we'd love for you to uh, check us out, learn more, so you can make informed and prudent decisions to impact the quality of your life. Now, we've been talking about taxes, and before we leave that topic, what about taxes on a property sale, like your home or rental property? Primary homes are can be taxed differently than other property sales. You know, there's this homeowner's exemption that if you live in the house for two out of five years, you can sell the house, have a capital gain, and a single taxpayer could have a gain of up to 250000 uh, A joint filer could up to 500000 and that portion of the capital gain is eliminated from capital gains tax. Now, anything over that would be taxable. But you have to live in the home for two out of five years. They don't have to be consecutive, but you do have to live there. So you need to track the tax basis of your property. What did you pay for it? And then when you make home improvements, those need to also be tracked, and you need to keep, you know, keep records of all of that so that you can show. Because, you know, if you spend, let's just use round numbers. If you spend $500,000 for the house, and you've made $50,000 in home improvements, you now have a tax basis of 550000 which means you only pay potentially long-term gains on anything over five fifty. So then if you have a $500,000 exemption, you only pay capital gains tax on anything over a million and fifty thousand. But with current property values skyrocketing the way that they have over the last few years, it's important to know these rules and to be able to track what your tax basis is. Now on rental properties, vacation houses that are not your prop- primary residence, you would have to pay capital gains tax. Now you can do something called a 1031 exchange. There are some specific rules for that, like when do you, even how you list the property for sale could disqualify your ability to do a 1031 exchange. But what happens is when you sell the property, it goes into an escrow account that has to be set up properly. And then, you know, if you follow certain rules and buy a new property within the right period of time, you just kind of transfer that long-term gain, don't have to pay it now. You can also, if you want to stop being a landlord, you don't want to do that anymore, then you could do what's called a DST. That stands for Delaware Statutory Trust. Um, That's just because they first came out in Delaware. But you can do that here, and basically you exchange that house or rental property into what really looks more like a real estate trust where you're a passive owner in real estate. You know, it might be... See, you know, multifamily housing in Middle Tennessee or storage units in Texas. You know, you could then be a, but you'd be a passive owner. Someone else would run it for you. There would be expenses and, and all those kind of things. But that'd be if you don't want to pay the capital gain and you want to 
uh, take advantage of the 1031 rules, but you don't want to do it yourself where you're the landlord and having to manage it and do all those things. So it's important to know how property sales, that, that property you own is taxed and how you can use vehicles in the Internal Revenue Code like Section 1031 to reduce or, or defer that capital gain tax. Because remember, under current law, long-term gains go away at death. It's called a step up in tax basis. If you pay $300,000 for your home and it's worth a million dollars at your death, uh, any potential long-term capital gains goes away. Same thing on a stock, any other property, long-term gains, the tax on those gains goes away at death if they're in your name and, and everything's done properly. Now, they, could Congress remove that feature, that, that benefit? Yes. But as of right now, that's the benefit. So, you know, there, it just takes careful planning when you talk about property. Now, what do rising interest rates mean for you? Interest rates have been near zero, and they are on the rise. And the Federal Reserve predicts six more hikes this year. Now, no one knows exactly what the effect of these rate hikes will be or how long it will take for inflation to return to normal levels. You know, that's what the Fed is doing. They're trying to try to curb inflation by raising interest rates, and that's how the economic cycles work. When the economy starts getting red hot and we see inflation, the Fed starts to raise rates to slow down demand. So think about supply and demand. We're going to go back to kind of economics 101. Right now, demand has been much, much stronger than supply, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it has been because of supply chain disruption from the pandemic. Some of it has been from all of the cash that is flooded into the market with federal stimulus. Whether that's congressional federal stimulus or Federal Reserve printing money. So we got all this money out there, all this demand for things, and we got supply we don't have the supply to meet it. So supply and demand, when demand's higher than supply, prices go up. Pretty simple. So with the Fed, if they increase interest rates, the, the thinking is demand will slow down. So just with the one quarter point rate hike in March, the Fed is now estimating growth in GDP will be less than 3% for the year, where it was prior project, it was previously projected to be about 4.2, a little over 4. So when the Fed raises rates, let's keep in mind what that really means. When the Fed raises rates, a quarter of a point, that's the overnight borrowing rate for banks. So that's the federal funds rate a quarter of a percent. So does that really have an impact on a five-year car loan or a 30-year mortgage? Not necessarily. Now, in this case, mortgages did go up uh, quickly, almost a full percent. But um, that doesn't mean in the long term that's what's going to happen. And, you know, usually over time when the Fed starts increasing that, that federal funds rate, the overnight rate, what happens is over time it starts to go up and the long-term rates don't go up and if anything they may come down. So briefly, last week we got in a situation where a 10-year, it, it was very brief, it only happened for about, just a, I think it was about 30 minutes, where a two-year U.S. Treasury was, yield, was paying a little bit more in interest than a 10-year U.S. Treasury. 
So that's upside down, right? That's what's called an inverted yield curve. But let's just, it's upside down. I mean, a 10-year treasury, if you loan money to the federal government for 10 years, you should be able to earn more money than if you lend the money to the government for two years, right? So if that's upside down, something's amiss. And so that can then lead down the road to inflation. And there's been a lot in the news about, oh my gosh, the yield curve inverted, it's gonna lead to inflation. Um, yeah, well, when, when the Fed raises interest rates over time, eventually what that does is it causes a recession. I mean, that's what happens. That's how economic cycles work. The Fed raises rates. We, we get inflation, the Fed raises rates to try to control it, and then that eventually leads Eventually, spending slows down enough, we've got a recession. And so what the Fed's trying to do is, is have a soft, you hear this, soft landing. And what that means is they want it to be a mild recession. But first off, be careful you don't panic because it doesn't happen right away. It happens in the future. And we don't know when. It could be two, three years into the future. And in the meantime, one of the keys to long-term investment success is to stay invested. Well, you know what? Let me say it this way. It's to be invested when markets boom. Well, look what's happened the last couple of weeks. Markets have, have been up, have rebounded somewhat from the low uh, that, that, that they hit, you know, I guess maybe late February, early March, whenever that was. So, you know, it, it's important to be invested when markets go up. You know, I've got an interesting chart that if if you had invested $10,000 on January the 1st of 1980, after 40 years, your 10000 would have grown to over $650,000 if you just put it in the S&P 500 index. So 10000 becomes over six fifty over those 40 years. But that's only if you stayed invested for the 40 years. If you missed out on just the five best days in the stock market over the la over that 40 year period instead of having over 650 you'd have had less than 450 so you'd have had roughly a third less money just from those 5 days so one of the keys is to be is to stay invested so how can you stay invested um, it's interesting one of the were the the biggest things that I've been asked is, Jim, how can I invest my money and have things, how can I invest my money to make money with inflation? You know, what are some good hedges for inflation? Well, you know what the number one hedge is historically? It's the stock market. Stocks in the long haul are the best way to beat inflation. The, the problem is, is stocks can be very, very volatile, especially in the short term. And, you know, it's been a while since I talked about the cruel math of losses on this radio show. So let's cover that before our break. The cruel math of losses. It's, it's, it's critical to understand this in wealth management. You know, if you have $100,000 and you lose, let's say it's invested and you lose 50%. In the Great Recession, from the high in 2007 to the low in March of 2009, the market lost 55% roughly. So if you lose, if you have 100,000 and you lose 50%, you've now got 50,000, right? Now, if you have 50,000 and you want to get back to 100,000, 
what do you have to make on the 50? You have to make 100% on the 50,000 to get to 100. So you lost 50, but now you got to make 100 just to get to break even. That is some very cruel math. You know, if you lose 33%, if you lose a third, you got to make 50 just to get to break even. Now, if you lose 20%, you have to make 25. So see what you'll note, if you lose 10, you only have to make 11. So what you'll notice there is as the, as the loss becomes deeper, the, the, the math becomes much more cruel. You know, you lose 33%, you got to make 50 to get to break even. That's a huge difference. But if you lose 20%, you have to make 25. That's not nearly as big of a difference. So the cruel math of losses is extremely important when you get closer to retirement and then retire and understanding the cruel math of losses because you don't have 30 years to wait for markets to come back. But you do need your money to provide increasing income for 25 to 30 years in retirement. Most people do. So it's important to be invested. So you have to measure diversification. You have to have stability of income in the short term, all of these different things. Now, before I, I leave the, the increasing rates, the Fed has said they expect six more of these quarter point rate increases by the end of the year. I'll tell you right now, I will be shocked if that happens. I really don't expect that. And again, I could be wrong, but I don't expect that. I expect three to four more. Now, it's yet to be determined. We'll see. But if the Fed raises rates too fast, they could trigger a deep recession too quick. But remember, that doesn't mean it happens immediately. It takes time for things like that. So just be careful about trying to time that. When we come back, I want to cover a few more facts about where we are with inflation and where we may be headed the rest of this year. And then how do you invest to beat inflation? So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and 3 to 4 p.m. My next class, Tax Planning in the New Age. Check it out. It's Tuesday night. It's a one-night class, two hours. I'm going to hit all kinds of details, some of what I covered earlier in this show and a whole lot more. Go to BroganFinancial.com, click on Classes. You'll see that class there at the top, Tax Planning for the new, in the New Age. It's at Pellissippi State Hardin Valley, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, the fee is $39 per person. So, you know, I'd love for you to see you there. Now, my next class uh, at the University of Tennessee is uh, 
Um, oh gosh, what's the name of the class? It's at UT on uh, the, here the end of April. It's uh, Financial Survival for Retirement. I'd love to see you there too. Uh, now that's my traditional two-night class. That is on April the 26th and May the 3rd. So again, April the 26th and May the 3rd, you can go to uh, financialsurvivalforretirement.com for more information on that. Now, what's the reality of inflation? I've got some statistics here. Um, according to a recent study, the average American household will pay almost $2,000 more in gas in 2022. So $2,000 off of your net income. It's really like a, a, a tax, right? And $1,000 more on food in 2022. That's the estimate. We got temporary shortages of certain items, rents are rising, clothing prices, and a shipping crunch. According to a prediction from Kiplinger, inflation will be almost 10% for March. It was 7.9% in March in February. They're expecting it to be 10% in March. So most importantly, how do you plan for the impact of inflation? I think this is I don't think this is a long-term inflation issue. Um, I think inflation will probably be higher long-term than it was after the Great Recession. I mean, we've had, golly, 10, 12, 13 years of 1.5% to 2% inflation. So it's, I don't think it's going to be that low in the future. But, you know, it's also, I don't expect it to be 7, 8, 7 or 8% for the long haul. But it's going to be higher for a while. And so, as I said earlier, you need increasing income. And the number one hedge for that is, is actually the stock market. Now, there are other hedges, things like commodities, energy, natural resources, things that are priced in dollars. Because when inflation goes up, dollars become less. It takes more dollars to buy things. So those things are inflation hedges. Also, there's inflation-protected bonds, things like that. You can look at floating rate bonds, which are bonds that go up with rising rates rather than down. And what's the difference there? Uh, it would be like the difference in a fixed rate mortgage and an adjustable rate mortgage. So if I've got an adjustable rate mortgage and I'm paying 3% and rates go to 5, I've got to now pay 5. So the mortgage company is making more money off of me if rates go up. So there are a lot of ways to position yourself in a rising interest rate inflationary environment. There are ways to hedge things. The thing is, we never know where we'll turn on a dime and, and inflation could go back down again. So it's important to have hedges and have diversification in your portfolio. You know, diversification, what that really means is you have a whole lot of stuff that doesn't move up and down together. So if one thing zigs, another zags. That way, if one, is, one thing is way down like stocks, hopefully they're not all way down. And the more layers of other investments other than the stock market, the more layers you have, potentially the more risk you're reducing or the less risk you're taking. And then what that means is ideally in a, in a down market, in a significant down market, you lose less money than the stock market. Now, the flip side of that is when we have a booming stock market, you're probably going to make less. So investing is all about balancing risk and reward. How much? I mean, we're going to have bear markets and we're going to have bull markets. And one of the keys, as I've said, is to be invested for the bull market. But we never know when one might end and one might, may begin. So how much can you reduce that downside to not have that cruel math of losses? But then how much are you now going to give up on the upside when we have booms? 
So that stuff should be measured. How long has it been since you've rebalanced or diversified your portfolio? The traditional diversification of traditional U.S. bonds, probably a recipe for disaster over the next 10 minutes because of interest rates have been so low, which leads to a likely bear market in the bond market. But And then how do you measure risk? How much risk are you actually taking in your portfolio? I teach you how to do some of these things in my class uh, at Financial Survival for Retirement, which is uh, at UT on April 26th and May 3rd. Again, at financialsurvivalforretirement.com. Uh, and, and we do this in our, in our meetings with our clients. So if you want to find out more, have an evaluation of your risk, give us a call. 865-862-6800, or you can email us through my website. Just go to broganfinancial.com. Uh, and then just as important, you don't want to draw income from risk holdings. You don't want to have to sell investments when they're down and draw income. You've got to be, have an income plan that allows your risk investments to be invested for six, seven years. So you can ride through some ups and downs. Thank you for tuning in this week. We've discussed your money because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Uh, my upcoming class, Tax Planning in the New Age, all my classes go to my website, broganfinancial.com, and click on classes. Thank you, Chris, for engineering the show. Thank you to Jill for producing the show. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.